I think that's a huge misrepresentation of what listening is. If I'm listening to you, is it possible for me to understand what you are saying without agreeing with you? And I think most of the time in society, for sure, we think if we li- if we understand, then we agree. And that's not true. Folks, welcome to Counselors Can Help. Let's demystify the process of counseling. We want to remove barriers, answer your questions, educate, entertain, and inspire you to action. Folks, it's our next show on conflict, how to live harmoniously with those around you. We're going to give real tools, real examples, teach you a few things, and hopefully entertain you as well. So let's get started. Okay, folks, welcome back. Before we get started, I want to give you one quick I guess warning here, this show was recorded and I love the show, the content, but for some reason, my microphone, the audio wasn't set quite right and I do distort a little bit throughout the show. I've done everything I can to try to minimize that and keep that down. You can understand me, but it is distorted at times. I do apologize for that. It's just disheartening to have a show go just like you want and realize that obviously I didn't set my mic check correctly. I didn't set the sound properly and it got a little away from me. So I do apologize for that. I hope you don't hold that against me. I spent a lot of time on this show and really want it to turn out well for you. And I'm going to do everything I can on this show and the editing process to, to minimize it. But you will at times hear a little distortion coming from me. And, and um, I don't know what to say other than I hope it doesn't bother you. <laughs> and uh, I've done everything I can to make this show entertaining for you. So uh, without further ado, let's begin. Um, All right, welcome back. Today we're on our second show of conflict, what that means, how to help, uh, that kind of thing. Before we get started, I just want to mention to everyone that all these shows are what they call green, means go back and listen to all these other shows. They're relevant. They're not time-stamped. It's only good for the day we were on. We're not talking about local news or anything like that, current events, so these are all relative things that you can go go back and review and listen to. Um, The idea of the show is to give people solutions and really show them what therapy looks like, how this looks like inside the room, and allay your fears, I guess, of what this will turn into. I think, honestly, a lot of people could be helped by it, and they just don't come in because they are holding on to visions of what it looked like, or maybe it would look like 10 years ago with a bad experience. So we're trying to help you with that. Also, send the show to a friend. It's a great resource to pass along if you're enjoying the show. There may be somebody you can send it to, or just as much as that is rate the show Five stars is the appropriate rating for the show if you want to get on (laughs) Apple or uh, whatever and rate the show. The more people that do that, that's certainly helpful to to get other people interested in the show, and that brings what we're trying to do here, gets the word out. So um, welcome back, Liza. Thank you. We are on to the next show here. um, Love being here. Which is sort of, uh, hopefully, I think, right up your alley here. This content that we're discussing is, is right there. So quick recap of the last show. Really, the big things are we talked about some theories, Gottman, which are two people who are very involved in marriage couples mm-hmm. um, ideas, which are central to the show, right? People who aren't in therapy maybe never have heard of these people, but they're fairly well known, right? Inside fairly of well known. therapy circles. Mm-hmm. Uh, EFT was another thing we talked about initially. I didn't probably say those words necessarily, but we did talk about some concepts there. The two planes idea, and that is... One person is probably highly emotionally out of the conversation and what to do when you recognize those things. And we'll, we'll certainly spend time on examples of how to apply these kinds of theories. 
And the last thing, which I think we I think we ended the show on a good note there, was this idea of catching something right. How do you start if you've got conflict going on? How do you bring this up or get something going? And a great place to start is to catch something going right in your life. And I consider that homework for myself. I don't know what you did, but I did my own homework in this regard. I love and, that. Tell me about it. I don't want to get too personal, but it was a situation where, yeah, this, uh, this person that I know really well, in air quotes, uh, <laughs> I think she handled the situation very well. That's my wife. I'm not going to. I was going to say, if we're going to ask people to be vulnerable, <laughs> well, I, Meryl, she, you have she's to. not here in the room, so she I don't want to speak for her too, right. too much. But, uh, she but can't give consent at the moment. Right, right. So, But I, I'll, I'm, I got her best interests at heart. I'm not going to. There you the go. whole thing, but we had a discussion that was centered around what I thought she did a good job on, and I wanted to have that conversation, and so I think that went well. I think it was as it should have gone. Uh, she took it in the right frame of mind, and I felt like it needed to be said, and so that's the idea of catch something right, is you're trying to change the conversation a bit, probably around things that you always talk about or always seem to get into a scuffle over something, some situation or whatever. Everybody has those things, right? You, have, right? you probably have something in your life where you're like, oh, right. here's this conversation we've had for the Again. umpteenth time. Again. That was the catching someone doing something right for me. And it was with my son and we've had the same conversation several times over and over. And actually you popped into my mind where I was like, oh, here's an opportunity. <laughs> I could, and he, um, you know, out of the eight times we had the conversation throughout the week, two of them went differently. And so I chose to, instead of saying, we've done it this way several, six times or whatever, I wasn't actually counting, but I caught the one time that he did it differently and said something about that and told him how much it meant to me that right. he was willing to try something different or do it different and that I didn't say anything about the other times, but I just said that made this go so much smoother. I really appreciated the way you handled that. Yeah. And he's only 11. And he honestly grew about two inches just in that moment where cool. I was like, wow, that yeah. works actually. Right. And so that gets to this whole idea of everything pretty much we do in therapy. We're asking people to try something new. They're going, eh, not sure this is going to work out like you say it's going to work out, but I'll give it a shot. And ideally, most times, they do it and go, that was better. Right. Why don't I do that more often? That just seemed like that was better. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the catching something right, like I said, I think before, it's, it is sort of vulnerable. We feel like we're sort of going down a road of talking about something that may start an argument. We're not real sure. It seems kind of nice if we would just let this issue go. We would just love it to be out of our lives. Mm -hmm. So it does take some personal, I guess, effort to do it and some discipline, I guess, to sort of approach that subject. But I think people are always glad they did this kind of a thing. I agree. And I think sometimes we think if we don't catch the negative or catch the behavior, that that will just continue right. <laughs> and that we have to make a point of it. For some reason, the show that uh, sitcom of Mad About You always bounced to mind for me. 
um, of the, I, do you remember that show, Helen Hunt and yes, I, I was, I was, it was the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. That anyway, and they they would just quite literally argue through the half hour. That was the funniness of the show. Like if I don't teach you how to load the dishwasher right, how will you ever learn to mm-hmm. load the dishwasher right when it's a forty-year-old right. woman? Or, you know, however old they were at the time. But sometimes I think we get set in this, if I don't, then, well, we'll just continue with that. But with the catching something right, people are far more inclined. Our partner is far more inclined to do something that they know that you are pleased with or that we like the outcome. Yeah. Far or s- more. Or spend time on something that they know you you noticed that you appreciate. Right? That they've made a point to do of it again. Hey, that was really important. Can you, can we do it like that? And that, that meant a lot to me that you did that. I really appreciated that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So I think it's a great way to just start to change the conversation. The person may still be left with this idea. Well, it's still not always my fault or, you know, that kind of thing. You can get, I think if you get stuck in that, it doesn't really address the times I've been wronged or, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think the message here. Overall, not in every situation would be, is that mindset helping you, you know, sort of stuck in that, you know, how am I going to get payback for the whatever, or <laughs> how can I get them to see it my way? You know, you've probably been trying that for a very long time and, and whatever you've been doing may or may not be working. And, and you may be right. You are a saint. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny you'd say that because not the saint part, but that yeah. you would say, yeah, but, um, how long have you been trying that when people come into <laughs> therapy? Speaking right. of counselors can help. Sure. I so People walk in my office all the time and they will say something to that effect that you just said is, um, is this normal or this is how we do it. And I'm just afraid if I don't say something, it will just continue like that. And my question is always the same. How is that working out for you? Doing it the way you've done it this way all this time. Yeah, but I'm right. And how is that working out for you to They're be wrong. so right? They're wrong. Can't you see? I'm right. Right. And so I, I, I definitely see that that's a very hard sort of thing to let go of in a lot of cases where you just are trying to walk away from that mentality, knowing that in many cases you may in fact be right. You may in fact have the way to solve the thing or have the right view on Whatever, whatever it is you always fight about or think that your sh- your child should be doing it this way. You, you may be right. It uh, might be an easier way that you are trying, but just try to remember when you started not liking being told what to do. Right. It's pretty young. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we ever love that feeling. Yeah. And I think ultimately people want, if you can, I guess to leave that mentality, hopefully what the show is, is providing is that there's a, there are different ways to do it. You will, get, you will get to your goal ultimately, which is much more harmony with the person you're with uh, and probably a lot less of these kind of discussions that even need to be said because you've moved in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're saying. We're not saying your, your view is wrong or right or whatever it is. We're just trying to say this is a better way to go about it, we think. Mm-hmm. And if you try some of these practices, you may find way more positive results. And that's ultimately going to be the thing that changes how you work with people, right, is better outcomes. And you'll, you'll feel like, oh, okay, that's a better way to go about it. I'm going to try to do that more mm-hmm. um, and down the line. Hopefully you will. So mm-hmm. 
want to get to just a little bit of theory, uh, and then we'll get into a specific example and just kind of cover it from a number of angles like we talked about early in the show. So a little bit of theory. You've talked in past episodes of this react versus respond. Um, just a quick a minute or two, I guess, on just what that means to people, react versus respond. How would they use that? So I heard this example um, a long time ago. And it made so much sense to me. And so I took it and kind of molded it into a couple's work exercise. But um, I actually heard it at a suicide prevention seminar. And it had, it wasn't about the couple, but about a parent-child relationship. And But I believe having an understanding if you react or respond to anything helps in couples work and what it, what comes naturally to you. I lovingly, somewhat lovingly, call myself a recovering reactor because I have found that with that mentality, most things happen, an interaction with a spouse or a child, and you react. My natural inclination was not to respond to that, to just sit back, think it through, see all the parts, and then say something, but something (laughs) happens and I'm going to react. Right. And the way the example that was used was picture yourself in a car accident and in this car accident, it's your fault. You know, it's your fault. The other car knows it's your fault. That person has been taken. They were injured, but they've been taken. Okay. Um, to, to the hospital or whatever. And I want you to picture two different people coming up to your door. Okay, so you're sitting, no one has talked to you yet. And the first person walks up to your door and says, what would you want them to say to you, Meryl? If you were the one that caused the accident. You must be scared. You must be freaked out. Yeah. In shock. Mm -hmm. Not sure what happened. Mm -hmm. Even a simple, are are you you okay? How are you? That must have been really scary. Let's get out of the car. Come sit on the curb. What happened, right? Just responsive, okay? I want you to picture another person coming up. Same scenario happens and opens up the car door. What the hell were you thinking? What is the matter with you? Immediately, like I'm sitting there saying this into this mic and the hair on my neck goes up. And I think, oh, yeah. What was I thinking? That was so dumb. I can't believe I just did that. Oh my gosh. And this person, this person says, get out of the car. Let's go sit on the curb. In either of those scenarios, did the accident still happen? Yes. Both did. Both times, whether I am reacted to or responded to, the accident happened. Does the insurance company still get called? Yes. Did, does there, is there still damage to the other person's body, to the car? Yes. Everything still happened. The only difference is the way I feel. The person that created the issue, right? Or the thing. So whether that thing is, I say something to my spouse, that's the accident, right? Or that we have a confrontation or my kid brings home a test that they failed. That's the accident. I can either react or respond. And the only difference is how that person feels. So then you have to look at yourself and say, am I, an, am I a reactor or a responder? 
which comes first to me? And depending on the scenario, you probably do respond to most other people that are not your family. You might respond really quite, you know, maybe in a work setting, maybe if someone's holding a crying baby behind the store, you naturally go, why don't you go in front of me? Like you respond, right? But when it comes to a spouse, we probably react. We tend to naturally react. And so just being aware of that and being able to back off and say, I can respond when something happens and it doesn't change that the thing happened. The natural consequences are still there, right? Spouse forgot to make the deposit that you've asked them to a hundred times. Yes, this has come up before. By you yelling at them about not depositing the check. Did the check get deposited yet? No. The consequence is still the same. Whether I say, it seems like that's a really hard thing to get done this week. Would you like me to take it to the bank? That's a response, right? Versus, are you kidding me? We've had this conversation 15 times now. Can I take whatever the thing is and can I respond? Am I able to respond instead of react? And it will diffuse situations that naturally get out of hand quite easily at home. And the idea, I think, because people will listen to this and they'll think, well, the person's never going to get it or they're never being, you know, shown the right way or whatever, however you would say that. And, And I think what we're trying to say here in these things is, you, you do that at another time. I mean, there's probably a different time when you're not hyper angry or whatever to then go, okay, how do we solve this problem long term? Right. What's What do we need to do different here? There's there's You can still have that conversation. You're just not having it when you're angry right. and, and lashing out, basically. You're not, you are not reacting. You are responding. The thing still happens. Things still are not going to go exactly your way. It's just whether or not I can say, okay, that didn't go my way. (laughs) Can I respond to that? All right. Does that make sense? Tell me what what your thoughts are about that. Yeah, no, I I like it. I think because, like you said earlier, we we feel like we have to address the thing now or whatever because it'll slip away and and we just don't want to have... I think there's just a lot of bad ways to think about it that tell you I need to lash out right now or you feel the anger welling up inside you and that's just sort of the thing that comes out and that thing has told you forever that that's when you're supposed to say it is when you're angry and we're just trying to say you can still defend yourself or make the point or whatever it is there's just probably a better way to go about it down Mm -hmm. the line if you think about the respond idea Mm -hmm. that's really and even when you do react you can learn you can react sometimes (laughs) we just react and then Honestly, a healthy mindset would say, okay, wow, I do that every, I do that a lot. I'm going to rethink that and reround and I'm going to try and respond now to my reaction. Hey, I reacted. That comes super naturally to me. It's super frustrating when blah, 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 blah. Then respond. Yeah. Yeah. That's a a cool point is you can, in fact, midstream sort of change what you're doing or admit that, wait a minute, that's not, I didn't mean for that to come out of my mouth. Yeah, the Gottmans, I think I said that last week on our show that um, the difference between the masters and the disasters, as they would call them in couples therapy, is not that you're going to have, um, that you're not ever going to react to your partner. It's that, can I re-round? 
when I do make a mistake because I am human and because I do have emotions, can I recognize it and say, oh, wait, I did that probably a, a little differently than I'd like to do it. Yeah. Instead of just saying, well, maybe next time. Yeah. Maybe next time I'll be responsive. But actually either having the reaction and then coming back to it or catching it mid. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the react versus respond, we'll certainly get to that uh, down the line in examples. Uh, the other example real quick I want to get to as far as theory is this idea of listening. And I have in quotes uh, or basically restating the other person's statement, right? We don't, this is something that we sort of learn as therapists and, and have practiced. But I think most people, they know what we're talking about. It, it sounds common sense, right, to just say, yeah, I, I think what I've heard you say is blah, blah, blah. However you want to say it, you're repackaging their words and sort of giving it back to them. But people generally don't do that in life, no. right? It's, it's not a skill that someone has. Certainly, if you're a reactor, you're not doing that. No. Right? You're, you're just the person's giving you information. You shoot out new information, and, and, and away it goes. And that seems like how conversations should work, except when emotions start to run a little high, mm -hmm. right? Or you're in a complicated subject where you definitely both don't agree. I heard it said once before, do you listen and then talk or do you wait to talk? You know, when the other person's speaking, do you listen and then talk or do you wait for them to stop talking for you to talk, right? Which I think most people find themselves a I lot. I think that's more common. <laughs> in the right? second, right? right. You're, you're just... You can see their reaction or the way they're saying it is making you upset or you can you think what they're saying is sort of wrong or and they're trying to finish their thought and you're you're already sort of formulating arguments or you know whatever it is mm -hmm. to to either lash out or or whatever and and all we're saying with this idea of listening one is to try to really truly listen to the person um, again, this is the theory of it, and the other is to especially when it's controversial, you can in fact repeat that back to the person. Mm -hmm. And that does a couple of things that you would think, well, why would I do that? That seems like a gigantic waste of time. And in, a, in an argument or a sort of a contentious situation, I think it does a couple of things. One is if the person said something kind of not very nice, you're allowing them to take it back, right? You're, you're basically said, so what you're saying is this, you know, whatever. And they may say, well, I didn't mean that or that's not you know, quite what I meant to say or, you know, whatever. I, I should have used this word versus that word. You're allowing them to kind of pull back a little bit. The other thing I think it does is it allows you to not have to think very much because right away you're in the, they said something horrible. I got to sort of give them back my arguments like I'm an attorney, whatever. I got to defeat their argument right mm -hmm. now. And many times people get a little flooded and kind of in the motion. They don't, they don't really know what to say. So either bad things get said or, or you sort of make the problem worse. In this case, you don't have to think about what to say. You just give back what they just said and said, is, is that right? Is that what I hear you saying? Do I have that right? Mm -hmm. You've bought time. To ask an open-ended <laughs> question <laughs> right. of clarification. Mm -hmm. But first you have to learn the skill of, can I? Am I able to repeat back what they said to me without changing, repackaging, yeah. But say their actual words. Correct. What I just heard you say is X, Y, Z. Yeah. Is that what you are trying to say? 
And then usually it gives you space for them to say, well, not really. Yeah. Or, yeah, that is. <laughs> That's what I <laughs> And got. then you get to defend. <laughs> right. And then you then get to you attack. out. Yeah. No, no but yeah. you could, you can listen and repeat what they're saying in the words that's a Gottman approach also is to to repeat the words you hear someone say mm -hmm. the actual words instead of what you heard which is quite different right what you heard might be being transposed right yeah. but if you're listening if you can listen it's not just um it's repeating back what someone is saying to you. Yeah. And the other thing it, it also does is unknowingly shows them that you're listening. Right? You're not sitting out to say that from the get-go, but you are demonstrating that I, am, I have listened to what you've said. Mm -hmm. I'm not claiming I agree or approve or, or admitting any guilt. I'm just saying what you said. I'm just trying to make sure I got what you said, right? And I'm huh. listening. I'm trying to, trying to follow you and make sure that I'm, I got it right. That I got what you are trying to say. I think that's such a critical piece. I, I think we've said that on a past show as well. Is I feel like if we could do that politically, <laughs> if I could s right. restate what someone from the opposite side of my opinion is saying, this is what I'm hearing you say. And that I can understand what they're saying without agreeing, mm -hmm. man, that would be huge yeah. to be yeah. able to say, I understand why from your perspective, you come at it like that. Right. I don't agree with that. I understand why that makes sense to you. Yeah. I, in fact, it's just a little side note. I had thought about an idea for this show as to, as to actually have a Democrat and Republican be on the show and just have a debate about just, and that just, would be amazing. And just trying to just do, like you said, these, these techniques, could we, you know, could we show people that you can in fact disagree on huge items, but you don't have to like, I don't know, just get so, <laughs> it, it just, I don't know, we lose, we lose it in society. And I think this sort of the, what we're talking about here with couples and families is the same idea, right? It's like, I think that's a huge misrepresentation of what listening is. If I'm listening to you, could, is it possible for me to understand what you are saying without agreeing with you? And I think most of the time in society, for sure, we think if we, li if we understand, then we agree. Yeah. And that's right. That's not true. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. If I repeat your words back to me, then I'm somehow agreeing or sanctioning them as the correct words or whatever. Right. And, and all this is saying is, no, you're just, you're doing many things. You're showing the person you're listening. You're actually clarifying to make sure you actually got the word right. Um, and you're slowing the conversation down because you're, you may, in fact, be getting way too out ahead of yourself. And it gives you more time to think mm -hmm. about what is the right move here. Mm -hmm. uh, to, to stop from something worse being said. But it is a habit that generally in life people don't do because they're just not taught to do it. It just doesn't come natural. And it's one of those things that you have to practice and, and, and get better at. So that's a, a, a theory that, we, that we're uh, covering here is just the listening, restating idea. Okay, so let's get into a scenario, an actual scenario here of how we would use some of these things and, and talk about how we would pull this apart. So I started with a, with a couple scenario here. So standard couples that come into therapy, they're typically places that we start, and I think you would agree or you can, you can tell me about, is 
what we call the therapist world, the desire to delve into content, which is solve our argument, fix our argument. He's wrong. I'm right. You know, tell him this person is whatever. Uh, declare a winner, you know, declare a champion, declare you know, declare a winner, <laughs> whatever it is. And, and back me up. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I've been mistreated. Tell this person to stop doing that, you know, whatever it is. And we're not saying either of you is necessarily wrong, and you're not wrong for, for having that. What we're saying is in, in marriage therapy or couples therapy, what we're going to try to do is show you how to iron that stuff out. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to sit here and debate who's got, who's got the best response or mm-hmm. who's done the best in the past or, you know, whatever it is. So the idea of I'm right, you're wrong, or fix them, not me, they're the problem, mm-hmm. is pretty darn common when people come into couples therapy, right? Quite common. Very often um, different than an individual session. In an individual session, um, usually, uh, sometimes, and at least in a private practice, usually the, in, the individual would l- is okay to be there. At least they might be hesitant, they might be concerned about, but it's if they have made the appointment, mm-hmm. they are looking for help right. on some level. And in couples therapy, when two people walk in the room, highly likely one of them is more motivated to be there. And that, so you already start on footing of one person thinking they are not going to side with me, meaning the therapist yeah. or... I'm going to be blamed for this or right. this person is going to try and prove that she's right or he's right. or And so initially, if you get nothing else from this show, it is to understand that when you walk into couples therapy, there are four people in the room, quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes on a podcast, yeah. but that there is the therapist, there is the couple, and there is the relationship. And the relationship is what is in therapy. We are trying to work on this fourth thing in the room and no one is at fault. But understand, trying to just understand like we were just talking about. Let's get an understanding. Let's flip some light switches on about how you talk to each other. How does listening go for you? Mm -hmm. How reactive are we to each other? How responsive are we? Yeah. Well, let's get into a a scenario of that. So um, so, uh, to leave the thought, we're just saying that everybody has sort of arguments that they wish they could solve and think their life would be wonderful if they could just solve these arguments, right? Or, Or if the other person would just change how they do this or that, we'd have a lot less fights and it would be great, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But what we're saying is you're going to learn how to resolve those things amongst yourselves. We're going to help you do that and and try to lose the idea that I'm going to sort of crush them of their wrongness (laughs) on this situation or how they think about it or, you know, politics or whatever it is. So, um, so let's, let's go get into how that would look. So, uh, a specific scenario I had in mind is a couple who just starts couples counseling, and we've talked, uh, like I said, sort of a simple scenario here of, and I, I wrote down on this sheet that they are disagreeing over finances and in-laws. Okay. And 
Nobody comes in with more than one. <laughs> okay. Well, <all> right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right. So they've got, whatever, they've got a sort of a Finances standard. and in-laws. Yeah. They've got sort of a standard whatever thing. And it could be, this. you could replace this subject with 20 others, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've got a specific thing that they're arguing, arguing about, like we just discussed. And one thinks they're right and thinks the other's wrong. And they can't seem to get past this thing. You know, the in-laws could be, you don't seem to appreciate my mother, or you treat her poorly, or, you know, whatever it is. Um, Now, also I wrote here is that one of them, I wrote in this case the wife, one of the spouses has been labeled as angry. Mm. So you always, you're the angry one. You need work on your anger. Okay, so... There's a, a perceived already, like, I'm the sort of the innocent one, you're the guilty one, you're the angry person, you know. So there's lots of blame here going, going around. So, uh, and I think you said in the past that generally with new couples, you would, you would maybe talk about some of these ideas of react-respond or whatever. But at some point, you're going to have them chew it out for a little bit and say, what does that arguing over finances sound like, you mm-hmm. know? And they would go off on that. It would be sound something like, you know, I'm trying to save money. You're always, you know, I come home and there's three boxes from Amazon sitting on the front step and it's just, you know, junk we don't need and, you know, you constantly this and that. And and the other person says, well, but we do need that stuff and you don't know, you know, you don't understand and, and you know, this kind of stuff. And then it may start getting kind of personal about how you never listen or you don't understand or... You know, I hate it when you yell that way or, you know, something like that, right? It, the, the subject matter is now twisted mm-hmm. to something that is a larger picture than that. Yeah, we become emotionally triggered in that. Yeah, and so you as the therapist in that moment, at some point, call a timeout, probably, right? At some point. Yeah, <laughs> and then you would do what? What's your first inclination as you see them both start to kind of twist this argument into something that is highly personal and now they're just starting to yell at each other. You you ask for what? I ask for first of all, I probably wouldn't let it get very far, honestly. Yeah, but you Because okay, once you we're emotionally yeah. charged and flooded, we don't yeah, we just don't we <laughs> right. we don't have time for that because we end up having <laughs> taking twenty minutes just to emotionally regulate right. again, right? Okay. Yeah. Which is what they don't need at home. They know how to trigger each other. They do not need to be taught that. So I just like to see what the pattern is. Okay. And so I will let an argument go long enough for me to see what the pattern is, Mm -hmm. is who is going to withdraw and who is going to stick with it. Or do they both kind of pull away? Do they blame each other? And kind of, we just map the pattern of what's happening because I feel like once a couple understands their pattern, they can identify what the actual need is. Okay, so you don't necessarily, some of these theories we've talked about are action things. The first step in your mind really is just to have them see sort of what that argument looks like Mm -hmm. in terms of how you're reacting Mm -hmm. to each other, not necessarily what you're saying or any of that stuff. It's just like, what this appears to be the pattern. Does that sound right to you? Does this Mm -hmm. sound like other times you've argued about this or that in the past? Yes, because if you can get a couple to identify their pattern, Meryl, then... They know when I, so she, and then when she, I do. And once we can map out this pattern of what they do um, in any scenario, I can drop in in in-laws, finances, children, um, work, sex, 
And when this conversation or this argument comes up, so he does what? And then when he does that, what do you do? And as soon as we can figure out that pattern, they start to see what is the actual need. And usually, I will say a solid 85 plus percent, it ends up, I don't feel like I matter or I don't feel hurt. Whether it is your mother drives me nuts or you spend too much, I've asked you not to or whatever, we are, you get to the meat of, I want to feel heard and I want to feel listened to. And if you can teach people to do that better, then they can have completely different views of something and go, we do not need to let it get there. When I tell him I'm going to buy X, Y, or Z, he recognizes me being transparent with a purchase as he matters and that the money he is making for our family matters. And suddenly it's this new dance that when I can find the need or they can, when they can identify that themselves, the conflict dissolves itself. It's just, we can't get to that point of escalation because then you're really only dealing with triggered emotions. Right. Right. Because one of the, potentially one of the people in this conversation is the angry, like I said, labeled as the angry one. Sure. Sure. And so when you, if you cannot emotionally regulate or push a pause and say, and be able to identify what it is, what is happening for you in that moment, you will continue to be triggered. You will continue to be labeled the angry one because when she gets angry, what do you do? Pull away or yell back or any number of things. Very likely if you're going to react and be angry and be the crazy person, I'm going to do the opposite. Calm down. Oh my gosh, you're <laughs> right. so ridiculous. Right. right. And so I'm going to do this and that's going to make her see fire. Okay. So it may be in therapy, you're initially that idea of here's, I'm going to map this out on the whiteboard and I'm also going to fill in, okay, what are you thinking during this? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I, right. this is sort of my, I'm typically feeling this and what are you thinking over here? Well, I'm typically feeling this and, uh, of course, nobody said those things, but they're these sort of those ideas. They can in there go back that, to it. They've had the argument <laughs> enough. They right. can easily go back to what they do. Yeah, but they can then fill in. This is generally what I'm thinking. This is generally what I'm feeling. And then they will say what they do. Oh, I go in my closet and rip his clothes off the hangers. Oh, I go f- to the bar and I drink until I can't feel anything. Uh, or whatever they right. do, right? right? They can okay. map out quite well what they do. Right. Okay. All right. So that seems pretty common sense. You've got a sort of mapping the behavior here. You're not really blaming her. Again, we haven't even talked content. We haven't even said. You really want to do this content <laughs> fight, Meryl. Yeah. I honestly feel like once a couple, and I would love to hear your take on that because I think every therapist does it a little bit different, but I find if I can map out what is happening without talking about the actual topic Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what i drop in no i I agree i I, you're you're hoping that the people will let go of the the actual argument right they'll get into the spirit of the exercise and go Mm -hmm. okay this is what it looks like we may not solve our content right here about how that goes we're trying to figure out a different way to do this somehow and you're hoping 
and probably fairly high success that they will sort of let go of that and, and be able to listen to what you're saying about this is, the, this is what appears the process is. This is, you know, you're telling me what you're thinking. You're telling me how you're feeling. Now they, they buy into that. And then you say, okay, here's a better way, right? Or you mm -hmm. start sprinkling in, like, think well, about finding one or two. a core need. What were the messages? What is it about financial safety that are important to you? And usually you'll open up a whole rabbit hole of like, oh, I never felt like we had enough money when I was a kid, or my dad never knew what my mom spent. And we get into this whole okay. other hutch that has nothing to do with the wife that we can say, well, no wonder. When you see an Amazon package you didn't know about, it feels really, that's, that's intense and scary to you. Right. And so can we have an understanding that your core need is to understand where the money is coming and going, that that feels safe to you and that feels okay and that the world is an okay place when you know that. And so then she starts to see, oh, it's not about him being a control freak and about we can't have new things from Target. It's that he wants to feel safe about knowing where the money is going. Yeah. Or um, whatever. We could do any number of things. Yeah, but okay. But, I mean, there's a, a person could kind of, I guess, expect or, or see this at home or expect to see this when they come into, into therapy that they're going to, at some point, probably see their pattern develop in an actual discussion and then we're going to just stop and analyze that. We're not going to talk about who's right, who's wrong here. We're just going to sort of identify what's usually going on, what are you thinking right now in these moments, and then try to identify sort of deeper beyond that what's the core need, as you said, of, of in this discussion. Is there a deeper thing here? Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself can take probably a session or two of mm -hmm. just like delving into all that. To oh, they will come back the very next session and give you an argument that was had this week. <laughs> well, then what about this one? Right. And then you map that and say, well, what was that like? And what did you do? And they will find it's actually the same pattern as last week. It's a fascinating thing. Not exactly the same pattern, but if it's a perpetual issue you're going to have a perpetual pattern. Yeah, yeah. And I think it, it gets to, we're just about out of time for the show, but it gets to this idea of that's how the counselors can help, right? I mean, two people could do this on their own. Oh, it's absolutely. It's not rocket science for them to absolutely. sit down and go, well, let's do this. How would we put this together? And they could, uh, but the chances are, I guess, better than not that they probably won't be able to because they can't let go of the, the thing, right? The content, the argument that, mm -hmm. that needs to be resolved and that, or that just takes way longer than it probably should. People can learn to play a musical instrument on their own, but they probably need a teacher to speed, that this, would help. speed this thing along. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the idea of what a therapist does is to be able to take these good ideas and see what's going on like a musical instrument and, and adjust your patterns here a little bit. We're just adjusting mm -hmm. what's going on and seeing that because we're an outside person, we're not mm -hmm. emotional or in the fight, I right. guess, if you will. Right. So that's the, what you get by coming to therapy is that third person who you both feel like you can trust and is going to give you a, a direction of something you can use, right. I guess, going forward, right? Um, okay, so I think that's sort of mapped out the, 
the the session, if you will. Anything you would add to that, or or just some closing thoughts on, uh, you know, we talked about the catching something going right, and this is another idea that we would add on top of that of mapping out the pattern, mm -hmm. right? And and generally your thoughts or ideas that might be below that pattern that are sort of unsaid or unspoken, but maybe right. you've never talked about that before. Right. And it's hard to, if you could see Meryl and I, we're both waving our hands doing this pattern <laughs> in the room. And that would be um, easier to see and then to picture in your mind. You just have to picture kind of a dance. Think of dance steps. Yeah. And um, that's how it would be labeled. But I I would think as closing thoughts today, the to if you're listening to this show, take a day, just take a day and try to count the number of times you react to something versus respond. Not how somebody else does. Don't count for someone else, but count for yourself and just see how naturally it comes to you to react. And that being able to catch those is really a big part of this to to learn how to do it differently is how often is it happening anyway? So yeah. that's, that would be the closing thoughts. A little just self-evaluation of kind of how this is going, I guess, right? The same, same kind of thing of am I reacting or responding? What would that look like? And again, that's the idea of, I guess my closing idea would be that's what we're here for. That's the idea of the professional in the room is to give you, you could spend days, weeks, months, years trying to solve this, and we've probably got some ways to help you that sure. could shortcut this thing big time right if you're interested and want to work on it there's lots of ways to go about this that will probably result in a way better outcome than you maybe even imagined mm -hmm. right and I, we've talked before about couples who've come to therapy that pretty much knew they were divorcing and it turned out they didn't they didn't uh, yeah. so that is entirely possible so um, with that we'll close here on this show and this uh, episode of Counselors Can Help. We're talking conflict and we'll definitely delve into more scenarios on future sessions. So uh, thanks for joining us. Our mission is to spread the word that counselors can help. We want to teach you how to get started and get the most out of therapy. We encourage you to reach out to a professional in your area to help yourself or a loved one. Thank you to Kelsey Fink, our production assistant and chief of technology and social media. Thanks to Aspire Counseling at AspireUT.com for their support. If you want to know more about how counselors can help, go to counselorscanhelp.com. We have lots of resources, information, and we update it all the time. We'll see you next time on Counselors Can Help, a production of Merge Publishing.